So my advice would be, yes, you do need a mentor. But I think we are a bit spoiled for choice at the moment because even, you know, we, here we are recording this podcast. There's so much information out there. It's about, you know, how do you best consume information for learning? Welcome to the All In Recruitment Podcast by Manatel, where we explore best practices, learnings and trends with leaders in the recruitment space. If you've liked our content so far, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Spotify to stay tuned for our weekly episodes. I'm your host, Lydia, and with us today is Vanessa Roth, freelance sourcer and global talent sourcing trainer at her company, The Talent Hunter. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us all the way from South Africa. Pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me to be a guest, Lydia. Uh, I went through your previous podcast and I saw a lot of names that I recognize. And it's oh. I always like to give back and share my knowledge with others. So it's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming a recruiter, Vanessa. What's kept you passionate about this field? So it's really interesting. I think most guests that you ask that question to turn around to you and say, well, I never chose recruiting. Recruiting chose me because no one, when they're small and they're five years old, goes to their moms and dads and says, I want to be a recruiter. I want to help people find jobs. Everyone wants to be a nurse or a teacher or a policeman or something. So I think recruiting is something that we all fall into. And my personal journey is that I actually started life as a teacher. So I'm a qualified teacher. I taught in the UK for seven years. I loved it. But when I returned to South Africa, Africa after you know 12 years of living abroad, I actually wanted to get into adult education. And to get into adult education, I interviewed at a recruitment company and they said, you need to be a recruiter. And I said, no, thank you very much. I don't want to be a recruiter. I um, hadn't had great experiences with recruiters when I was in London. And to cut a long story short, it was the only job that was available. I waited a month. I didn't have a lot of money. I was, you know, sponging off my parents again in my 30s. They weren't too happy with me. And I decided, let's try this recruitment thing. And I made a placement in my first week. And the rest is history. So I've done agency recruitment. I was there for two years. I did 10 years in-house for an IT consulting company. Mm -hmm. Grew that company from 35 people to about 250 when it sold. And mm -hmm. when they sold to a corporate but I thought, well, this is my signal. I need to try my own thing. I always wanted to go back into some form of teaching or training. Um, and I did. I just combined my love for recruitment and training um, together. And I developed my company called The Talent Hunter and it, uh, do online training. And it's now in my fifth year and I'm loving every day that I work. So I can't complain. I understand that you just said you grew a company from 35 to 200, was it? As an intelligence? Yes, recruiter. over 200. So how do so, you so, go about achieving that? Well, um, a, a lot of late nights and not a lot of sleep and a lot of hard work, uh, to be honest. But um, what I pretty much did was during that time, I realized that when you go and you look for talent, you cannot restrict yourself. Where a lot of people do and a lot of companies do, they restrict themselves to only looking at job boards and they only use a platform like LinkedIn being the most popular one. So during that time, what I had to do is I had to teach myself how to go and find these technical candidates because that's what I was recruiting, technical professionals. And I had to go and learn how to find them in different places. So I taught myself how to source on platforms like GitHub and Stack Overflow and Dev and Kaggle and those kind of places. And um, 
it really was a fantastic revelation for me. So being able to do that, I had access to a lot more candidates than my competitors did. Tied with that, I actually started doing a lot of public speaking and speaking at a lot of techie events. So Microsoft-based events, uh, SharePoint Saturdays, SQL Saturdays, uh, data breakouts, you know, things like that, which really helped me to get to be more trusted and more well-known in the tech industry. And that helps to get a lot of people on board with the company too. So, so being, being on that stage and, and projecting yourself, that's all part of your personal branding, right? So how, how, Absolutely. how, how did you start building that brand? So it was something that I started a long time ago. And to be honest, I'm really, really grateful. I mean, when I started working in the recruitment agency, I remember when they still banned us from using Facebook because we were going to mess around in the office and we weren't going to recruit and, you know, we were just going to sit on Facebook. Meanwhile, building a brand on any of these platforms is a really good idea because it's so much easier in our industry when talent comes knocking on the door and says, hey, Vanessa, I believe you're a really good recruiter. I like what you have to say. I like your brand. I've looked at you online. Um, would you represent me? Would you partner with me? Um, and, and that for me has really made my, my life so much easier. And the reason why I could grow the company from like three, 35 to over 250, you know, not including a, a, attrition. I mean, they must have hired about over a thousand people in that time in 10 years was because a lot of people approached me because I had used my brand to position myself as the go-to recruiter in the Microsoft consulting space. And it's still to this day, five years later, the same people, people in the Microsoft space contact me and say, I'm thinking of putting myself on the market. You know, can you represent me? So it's, it really is how you position yourself and puts you in a complete position of strength. So what might be the difference between being a recruiter, let's say a decade ago versus now, especially for IT? Sure. Well, it's, it's, it's become very, uh, two answers to that question. It's become mm. more techie itself, the recruitment industry, but also the technical aspect has changed. So, I mean, I have recruited tech, um, and, and what's really happened is that the candidates have just become scarcer and scarcer. And you would think that we would have educated more people, trained them up in the techie space, but the tech side seems to be getting more and more difficult. And, you know, with my, my academy, I train people all over the world and I, and I hear this from all of my clients is we just can't find the tech talent anymore. Um, but from the actual recruiting sense, I mean, if I go back 10 years, yes, there were tools like LinkedIn, mm -hmm. there were job boards, which are still here, but there were no tools like fancy CRM systems and ATS systems, which make our lives so much easier. Um, there weren't as many you know, social media platforms that people were using. Uh, there, there was just, it was a different space before the pandemic. And the pandemic, I think, accelerated a lot more online activity, which has encouraged us to become far more techy in our approach to recruiting. And to be honest with you, things like ChatGPT, I really enjoy them. I, again, I'm launching training on ChatGPT soon. Mm -hmm. But the crux of it is that it's never going to take away our jobs. We need to use technology to make us more effective recruiters. So let's get back to the human touch. Let's remember the human element. Let's have more conversations with people. And let's use the tech to do all that boring admin stuff that no one likes to do. So Vanessa, you mentioned earlier that, you know, when you when you started building your brand, there were there were people who had seen you and they had come to you and that contributed yes. to the growth you saw in internal as an internal recruiter. But today you say that talent is scarce, especially for, for IT. Why do you think that is, especially when, you know, uh, we're looking at more fragmented or distributed workforce today? 
Because I don't think that all companies are actually embracing that distributed, you know, fully remote, 100% remote workforce. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that what has also happened is that you must have heard the saying that every company is an IT company. So mm-hmm. the demand has gone through the roof for technical talent. So even though there have been people who've been upskilling, it's a very popular career choice these days. The demand is too great because every company is a tech company. Every company has got a tech element. And as more and more companies grow and start and develop, they need the people. And the people, we don't have the people in the world to match um, and fill all of the roles that people are trying to fill at the moment. And, th- and that's a really difficult place to be at. And apparently, you know, the way things are going, we're never going to catch up. So there has to be some kind of radical change in upskilling people in the technical space to keep up with the demand of the roles. So given the exponential changes that we're seeing in, in the industry itself, being a recruiter definitely will, you know, the role itself evolves and, and involves a lot of upskilling, as you said. So what are the yeah. key skills or traits that you look out for for someone who wants to be a recruiter? What I look for in um, successful recruiters is I look for people who have a lot of tenacity, mm-hmm. people who don't give up, and a couple of other things that are also really important. So I look for someone who's a people's person. I don't believe you can work in this industry and not enjoy working with people because if you don't enjoy people, you're going to learn to hate them very quickly in the recruitment industry. Um, I also think you want to look for people who have, as I say, that tenacity. They don't want to give up. They're not going to be irritating and relentless salespeople, but they are going to keep looking until they find the right candidates. You don't want someone who's going to give up. Also someone, again, let's go back to branding, someone who realizes the value of having a brand, keeping their nose clean, treating all people equally um, is also a very important trait when it comes to recruiters. And probably the biggest one and one of the most important Mm -hmm. ones is I would look for someone who has natural curiosity. So somebody who is going to be the person that you mention something at a dinner and they're the one who whips out their phone and Googles a term they don't know or something that they want to learn about or they send themselves an email quickly because they want to research it the next day. It's someone who's not afraid to use the internet. So someone who can go and find out anything about anything or anyone and take that information that they have and use it in a positive, appropriate manner build that knowledge base for themselves and eventually apply that into their their workspace yeah it's like um you know you've got to do your research before the role so for example you say vanessa at manitel we we hiring a prompt engineer to work with our new chat gpt apr login for manitel if i don't know anything about chat gpt or an apr or anything like that i need to go and research what are those things because how are you going to have a decent conversation with someone who works as a prompt engineer if you don't know what a prompt engineer does? How do you also deal with the hiring manager who's looking for the skills? So it's taking that extra step to educate yourself. That's why I always recommend recruiters specialize. You find your niche, you specialize in it. You can have a much better quality of conversation with your clients and your candidates, um, as well as hiring managers. Um, and then use that knowledge to really Find the right people. You know, that's that's the key here. You don't want to go and find 100 people that you're going to go and spam with messages, but find, you know, the five best people and reach out to them. So going back to your experience as as a teacher in the education space and, and your um, plans to go into adult education or even executive education, right? So what's your thought process around designing an effective training program for recruiters? And what are some of the key topics that should be covered in such a session? 
So I use myself as an example. So being 10 years internal and being the only recruiter and working internally for a company, I had no one else to learn from. But it was a good thing because I had to actually go and be creative, be innovative, think out of the box. And that's when I taught myself this wonderful thing called talent sourcing. I then happened to go, I think, in my eighth year to a South African um, recruiting conference, and I couldn't believe the recruiters were still talking about LinkedIn and you know job boards. And I was like, but what about looking where these people are spending their time? So I realized that by looking in different places, approaching people differently, the impact that it had on my recruiting. Um, so I used myself as an example when it came to the material I put together because I knew people didn't have what I knew. So I think that the best thing is that to explain it in a nutshell is that we don't know what we don't know. So people don't often come to me, they come to me and they say, look, we've heard good things about you. We know you've trained certain teams. What did you train them on? Because you've made a massive impact to them. We want to do the same, but what is it all about? And I think it's just that piece of this is what you could be doing compared to what you are doing and showing people the way. So the way that I view training is when it comes to the content, so I'm making people's lives better by giving them tangible tips and tricks that they can use to become better recruiters. And, and that's the, the goal at the end of the day. So let's talk about mentorship. You know, we covered this a little bit earlier and we're looking for looking yeah. for the right kind of guidance into, into recruitment. So recruitment itself is demanding in, of, of time and energy, you know, as you said, for sure. seeking out time for mentorship can, can sometimes be challenging. So what role does mentorship play in the training process and what should recruiters look out for in a mentor? So I definitely think you can learn a lot from mentors. So I mean, again, to use myself as an example, is that when I was learning about talent sourcing and what it is, there were no, there was no one actually in Africa talking about talent sourcing and doing it. As I would go and follow hashtags of international events and conferences like SourceCon, Sourcing Summit, see what was happening at these events, and slowly started connecting with these people, connecting on LinkedIn, following them on Twitter, connecting on Facebook, and then if I had any questions, I would ask them. So I've got lots of unofficial mentors all over the world because those are the people that if I got stuck with Boolean, I could reach out to them and say, please explain this to me. And eventually they became friends, which is, you know, which is a, a great result of the whole process. Um, so my advice would be, yes, you do need a mentor. But I think we are a bit spoiled for choice at the moment because even, you know, we, here we are recording this podcast. There's so much information out there. It's about you know, how do you best consume information for learning? Is it a podcast? Is it a webinar? Is it watching YouTube videos? And it's about you making the time to upskill yourself. So the mentor that you're looking for doesn't necessarily need to be a person. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be a podcast that you listen to. Um, so it's all about picking your best format of the way that you consume and, and retain information and then seeing what is available in that space. What are yeah. your preferred channels for learning and, and absorbing new information around recruitment? So interestingly enough, I'm, I'm a visual learner, like a lot of people are. So I love a YouTube channel. I've just launched my own YouTube channel. So I'm playing around with that, putting some content up and, and looking to grow it. Um, so that would be the way I would consume a lot. But also don't discount a podcast. So, you know, whenever I put on my running shoes, get out for a run. Um, like yesterday, uh, I went out or a walk. 
if I'm by myself, I will always try and listen to a podcast and use that time, you know, just to the best of my ability, use it to learn. I find the podcast really interesting. So it depends what I'm doing when I need to do the learning. So if I can watch it, then I'll, I'll, I will watch it. If not, listening, long car drive is also a good example. So recruiters go through training. I mean, do they have, do you check in with them, you know, your, th- those who go through training with Absolutely. you? Do you check in with them to find out if they've had the opportunity to apply what they've learned? Actually, yes. Already this morning, I ha- I've had a call with a um, someone who's just finished one of the two of the courses in my academy. He's based in Belgium, and we were having a chat about what were his takeaways, what did he learn, what could I have done better, what wasn't that clear, what videos do I need to go and record, and the positive feedback was way better than than ever. So it's nice to chat to someone about it. There was very little, you know, advice or tips that he gave me, but I always like to just make sure that learning has happened. Because a lot of people will go through the academy or they'll be told by their manager, here we go, do this, and then they don't learn. So for me, it's really important to just touch base with people. So during the course, while people are on the online academy, they also get emails from me saying, where are you? Uh, you know, are you fine? Do you have you got any questions? I also send a weekly progress progress report to the managers, you know, the team leads saying this person's done 20% of the course one. They've still got this number of days access. You know, those kind of things I think are important because you don't want the people just to buy licenses and seats in the academy and then learning hasn't taken place. You have to follow up. And so what are some common mistakes that new recruiters tend to make and and how do you help them avoid these pitfalls in the training process? So my training is not essentially around for for new recruiters on how to recruit. It's more in the talent sourcing space. Hmm. So so for me, to answer the question from a talent sourcing perspective, what are the pitfalls? And the pitfalls is that you know a lot of people just think that they can only look on job boards and platforms like LinkedIn for candidates. They don't actually turn around and think, actually, let me think out of the box. Where else can I look for these people? Like, say, for example, you're looking for a data scientist in in Bangkok. Where would you look? Well, first of all, you'd go and find um, events in that space. So who's running like a event for like data and analytics, data management, data scientists, who was speaking, who was there, who was using the hashtag, who was tweeting, who was posting on Instagram. Mm. Your first port of call doesn't have to be LinkedIn or a job board. It's like who was there, find people based on their personal interest. So it's about approaching things from a different manner. I'm not saying you're never going to go to LinkedIn because once you find their name, I'll look at people across all of their social platforms um, and then find out more about them. But it's all about that starting point. So to start at a different starting point to where your competitors are looking normally leads you down a very different path. I'll give you an example. Mm. I was looking for just that role. I found a candidate. They were speaking at a conference. When I looked at their LinkedIn profile, they hadn't updated their LinkedIn form two jobs previously. So I never would have found them on LinkedIn because they had a completely different title and they were working on a different space. Mm. And they had obviously just abandoned their LinkedIn profile. So by looking somewhere else, then I found their profile on GitHub and saw their comments and answers to questions on Stack Overflow. I knew that I found the candidate. But this candidate didn't exist on any job boards because they often don't need to be on a job board and their LinkedIn was out of date. So mm. I found that candidate, which I know no one else would find. And, you know, that for me was important. It's about mixing up your starting points. Do you analyze the sources uh, or the, the ways or the channels that you use to source these candidates? 
Absolutely. So I use all of them. So LinkedIn needs to be part of your process. So does Facebook. So does Twitter. So does the technical platforms. So does a general Google search to see if you could come up with any blogs or any events that this person's spoken to. So it's not about just using one, should I say, version of truth of what the person's put out on one of their platforms. It's about finding out as much as possible about that person that you can. And then you can really you know, uh, personalize your reach out, which is also going to ensure that you get a much higher response rate uh, from candidates, which is important these days too. Yeah. And there are channels yeah. that will probably bring you more success than than others, right? So do you, yeah. do you find that for tech, some channels bring you more results than others? Absolutely. So if I'm looking for tech candidates, I'm never going to start on LinkedIn. I'm always going to start on GitHub, Stack Overflow, mm-hmm. HackerRank, Kaggle, Dev, Meetup, whatever it is, because that's where I know the tech people like to spend their time. When a techie goes onto LinkedIn, what happens is they just get harassed by recruiters. So why would they want to spend their time there? So if they're on the other platforms, they can talk to other people that they know, they can mix with colleagues, peers, uh, they can enter competitions, they can put up their code. It's a no-brainer. I understand why they would be there. And so, Vanessa, let's talk about DEI. So, how do you ensure okay. that a program, a training program, uh, promotes DEI within the recruitment industry? So that's really interesting. So when the pandemic started, I was actually booked to speak at a conference in Lisbon with a friend of mine who's a Bulgarian gentleman uh, called Balash. So when the pandemic hit and the conference was put on hold at that stage, we jumped on a call and we said, oh, no, you know, we were going to catch up. Now what's going to happen? And we decided to put together some joint training in the diversity sourcing space. So he's also a sourcing trainer. Uh, we He runs his own uh, academy, his own training, and I do that too. But none of us were tackling the diversity sourcing piece. So we said, let's do it together. So during COVID, we put together this training and we actually delivered diversity sourcing workshops um, all over the world. So diversity sourcing is really important and it needs to be done for the right reasons. Um, And it's something that a lot of companies are asking us for. It's a hugely in demand workshop that we run. And it's good to see. I'm I'm a big fan of it. You know, coming from South Africa, we do a lot in the diversity space. We've, We've got legacy political systems here. So it's something that we're quite used to. Um, so when you ask about DE and and sourcing and recruiting, yes, it's a buzzword at the moment. It has to be embraced just as long as people are doing it for the right reasons, which is what we cover in this training. And we look at a lot of people's like points of reference and mm. where can you find diverse candidates because it's actually a fascinating study. So what might be the right reasons for including DE and I in the recruitment uh, process? So, so as you know, I mean, if you look at companies that um, – produce their financials, listed companies, companies with the most diverse workforces actually rank higher um, when it comes to their profits at the end of each financial year. So it shows that a diverse workforce actually results in much better, you know, money, profits, capital gains for the for the business. And, and that's why you're in business, right, is that you want to be successful. So I think that's the first reason. The reason why I'd say that it's do it for the right reasons is don't do it because it's something that's been Im- Im- imposed. You know, get the, the best people in for the role and mm-hmm. focus on getting the right diversity. And also remember, diversity goes a lot further than male and females or a racial group. You know, you've also got diversity when it comes to disabilities and mental illnesses and different religious beliefs. Um, different sexual preferences. So there's a lot that goes into diversity mm. that people don't take into account. 
you mentioned earlier that that HR recruitment today is is techy in two ways. Like it's it's already techy by in and of itself, and then it's also yeah. moving into that technology space where you you need to learn more about the roles that you're hiring for. So HR technology sure. is definitely a must, as you said. Right? So what kind of impact do you think these technologies will have, especially with ChatGPT? You know, you've already yes. tested that. So what kind yeah. of impact do you think these these kinds of technologies will sure. have on recruitment in the near future? Well, I think that there's a lot of recruiters out there that are really nervous that they're going to lose their jobs and it's going to have too great an impact and they're going to be out of work, which I don't believe at all, to be honest. I think that it's... um. It's definitely something that we can use to make us better recruiters. So the way that I view it is let's use these technologies that are great, that save us time, and let's use them to take away those really long, laborious, admin-orientated tasks, make our lives easier, and then we've actually got more time to work to our strengths with us as human beings versus robots is actually making a human-to-human connection. So let's spend more time talking to individuals, finding out more about them, you know, even connecting with people before we have a role for them. Because, you know, actually, I am a recruiting in the data team for this company. I need to connect with data, skilled data individuals. So let me start having those conversations while the tech kind of does the hard work in the background. Yeah, and also use that to collectively make more informed decisions using data, right? And analytics that come from these technologies as well. So, yes, Vanessa, you've had you've had great experience looking at alternative channels and and trying to diversify the way you source talent as well. And it's great. And thanks so much for being so generous and and sharing that with us. What other advice would you have for new recruiters who are just starting up? Sure. That's, that's really interesting. So I wouldn't say this is just for new recruiters just starting up. I mm. think that I would encourage recruiters to make sure that they are finding the best talent. So when I started in the industry and I'll show my age here, I think we're going back about 18 years now, there was a saying and that was he or she who has candidate is king. So that is basically if you've got the best candidate, you're going to make the placement, um, you're going to be successful. And I think that what's happening at the moment, what I see with the teams that I train is that everyone's fishing in the same fishing ponds. So yeah. you've really got a focus of you fishing in a bigger fish- fishing pond, like the whole internet, finding the best candidates, which maybe no one else is finding, and put those in front of your hiring managers or your clients. Because that, that saying rings true, is that the person who's got the best candidates is always going to make the placements. And that's what you've got to focus on. So for me, the beginning piece of the recruitment process at talent sourcing is vital because if you don't get that right, the re- you can have every good process and system in place after that. But if you don't have the right candidates, it's pointless. Thank you very much, Vanessa, and also for your time today. And it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Where good to meet can, you, Lydia. Where can the audience connect with you? I mean, LinkedIn obviously is your sure. platform. So What's yeah, exactly. So I'm not difficult to find. I'm not going to lie. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. My website is academy.vanessarath.com. So that's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-R-A-A-T-H.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Van underscore Roth. And yeah, anywhere else that you look, um, I'm sure that you'll pick me up somewhere along the line. And you have a new YouTube channel too, right? Yes, and a new YouTube channel. And if you actually go to that website, what you're going to find is I've got two free um, courses on my website as an introduction to my academy. Um, so you're welcome to go there, sign up for some free learning. Um, they're short courses, half an hour each, and they really will help just 
make you help you to just think a little bit differently about talent sourcing and how you position yourself. Excellent. Thank you so much, Vanessa. And we have been in conversation with Vanessa Roth, freelance sourcer and global talent sourcing trainer at the Talent Hunter. Thank you for joining us this week. Remember to subscribe to our channels to stay tuned for more insights from All In Recruitment. Thank you very much for having me.